Welcome to This Week in the ACC. This is the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. I'm your moderator. This is Matthew. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Hokiesmash underscore ASE. And joining me, as always, is Jeff, whose Twitter account is at Talking ACC Sport. This week, we have a special guest in Hank Kurtz, and he is joining us. From the state of Virginia, he is the AP Press sports writer for the state of Virginia, and you can follow him on Twitter at, at Hank Kurtz Jr. at H A N K K U R Z Jr. And he is a great return guest, and we are happy to have him back. And before we start with the questioning, I just want to make sure that I let everybody know that. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. We are proud to have a sponsor this year for all of our podcasts. And so make sure you go to Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia, for all of your pharmacy needs. A great individual business and proprietor in Blacksburg, Virginia. Hank, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back, sir. Welcome back. We're really happy to have you back. It's always good to be here. I wonder if Main Street Pharmacy has a dispensary. I would ever use it, but just because the laws have changed, you know? <laughs> well, that's a good question. We'll have to ask him about that. We'll, in fact, you know, you know, in fact, here at the, at the, at the break, at the turnover, I'll make sure that I, I, I ask him about that. that I'll, say they, I'll say that this was a question prompted in our podcast. So, Hank, we, we, we always have you come on here every year, but we always get a bunch of new listeners every year on, on this podcast because we are one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the country in terms, terms of listeners, and we are the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States, and which wow. is a, an achievement that Jeff and I love to have. I mean, it's, it's, it's been eight years now since this podcast has been running, and we're, as I said, we're really happy to have you back. So please tell us about yourself, where you went to school, and what sports you cover in Virginia. Well, I grew up in New Jersey. I delivered newspapers as a kid, which people used to do when, you know, you weren't afraid of them getting abducted, and delivered newspapers before school, read the sports section before I delivered it to anybody else, um, went to school at Ohio University, um, came to Virginia in 95, I cover a lot of Virginia Tech stuff, a lot of Virginia stuff, you know, golf when it's here, NASCAR when it's here. First NASCAR race I ever covered was the first one I ever watched. Um, and, you know, just anything in Virginia that's of interest nationwide. And you'll catch some A-10 stuff on occasion too, right? Well, absolutely, because there's really good basketball in the A-10. So, you know, I'm blessed to live in Richmond where, um, old, not Old Dominion, VCU and Richmond are both both here and both really good programs. Old Dominion sometimes is really good. Um, Liberty has taken to inviting good schools to come to Lynchburg. You know, so that's a place I visit sometimes. I even went to Longwood once when um, I think they were, they were winless and were playing their third number one ranked team of the season. And Wake Forest, so you can tell how far how long ago that was. <laughs> it was quite some time ago. It was quite some time ago. 
Okay, so before we get to – this is really going to be a, a, a college football-centric podcast, but before we get to that, I want to get you get your take on Mike Young, the Virginia Tech men's basketball head coach. I mean, he had, I think, what was an outstanding 2020 men's basketball season. I think that he's far exceeded the expectations of a lot of a lot, really of a lot of a lot of fans, a lot of the donors, a lot of the friends of the university, a lot of the media. I mean, he's he's done quite well. He's done quite well in a short time there, and yet we've even heard words from Mike Bray out there at uh, Notre Dame at, at Notre Dame who says that this is really the team one of the top tier teams in the ACC that you should be watching this year simply because of the experience of the players that are coming back and the good coaching so I would really like your take here on Mike Young and Virginia Tech well there's two words that made this season really special in Blacksburg and basketball and there won't be two words that are there next year and that's Kebe Aluma um, he was just an, uh, a revelation in the ACC. He was just spectacular. Could have been ACC Player of the Year. Um, you know, was kind of the driving force. Um, Tyrese Radford gets a lot of credit for what they've done, despite his little transgression during the season. Um, they play defense. You know, coaches, I always say that coaches always talk about how we're going to play defense and rebound. And then a lot of them don't, and that's why they end up somewhere else four years later. Um, Tech plays defense. Um, I think the other team down the road has shown that defense can do a lot for you. Um, And Mike's team plays that. He's affable with the media. Um, He's honest. He's he's a great coach. And, you know, people look at where a coach comes from when he gets hired and they think, oh, Wofford? Like, really? Like, we're going to do that? Um, yeah, you're going to do that. And your basketball team's going to be pretty darn good. And, um, you know, Tech has an interesting thing with basketball, and they seem to get a lot of overachievers. And I think part of that is this feeling that they're overlooked in the ACC in basketball because of Virginia, and especially what Virginia and Tony Bennett have done the last several years. But um, you know, Buzz Williams and and Mike have uh, done a really good job of making that a strength of the team, and um, they sort of showed it this year. They they kind of had a rough rough finish. Um, I think they they five of their last seven regular season games were canceled because of COVID, and you know it's kind of hard not to play a real game. You, you can play in practice, but you're, you're not, it's not the same. And so they missed five of the last seven regular season games and then got ousted quickly in the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. But um, they had a really solid year. They have a lot of guys coming back. Um, and, you know, I think Mike is um, on his way to establishing a really good program there. And, you know, he grew up in Radford. He grew up going to Tech games. He loves being back there. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Very good take. Very good take. Jeff, you're up, man. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Okay, Hank, this is, two, this is a two-part question. First, let's get right into football and the Commonwealth. Um, we want to talk about Virginia Tech and the expectations this year for the Hokies. What are your thoughts on that? 
You know, it's funny, Jeff. I think um, I think based on the success they had um, ten years ago, Virginia Tech is one of those teams that typically gets overrated. Um, but this year they're picked third in the Coastal, um, be, behind um, North Carolina and the other team that always gets overrated, Miami. Um, but they have a lot of things going for them, but they do have some big question marks. You know, their offensive line is experienced, which is great. Um, they had an awesome running game last year, the best in, in years. Um, and that's never been um, Justin Fuente's preference, it seems. Um, they have a quarterback in Braxton Burmeister who is a dual threat guy. And <clears throat> on media day, they all raved about how tough he is and all that stuff. But that can be a double-edged sword. You know, if, if your quarterback is a tough guy, and Virginia has the same problem with Brennan Armstrong, if he's a tough guy and he's not going to slide as much as take a hit or try to run a guy over, um, you better have a good backup. And Tech is not real strong in that category. Um, Burmeister has some great targets to throw to. Trey Turner, um, Tavion Robinson has gotten raves. Um, James Mitchell is always solid, and especially around the end zone. Uh, Raheem Blackshear seems to be the heir apparent, and while nobody expects him to be Khalil Herbert, um, you know, he's a multi-talented guy who can catch passes from the slot, can, you know, can run the ball, can do a lot of things. So, you know, their offense looks, and, you know, uh, Jalen Holston, you know, they're, they're hoping he'll emerge this year, too, as another running back. So, offensively, they seem to have the tools, you know, and the line being the key there. Um, and on defense, you know, the last two years, they've been either decimated by injuries or decimated by COVID. And the good news about that is that lots of guys who weren't ready to play were forced to play. And, you know, some guys missed time last year. Um, and are back this year, so they bring experience. Um, and, you know, then there's a bunch of guys who had to grow up fast. And, you know, you look at a guy like Dax Holyfield, and how many guys has Tech had like that? You know, Jack Tyler, people like that that are undersized, um, you know, shouldn't be as good as they are, but they are. Just emotional leaders and that kind of thing. Um, Amari Barno on Media Day, guys talked about him like he can jump out of the building and, you know, freak athlete and all that stuff. And I didn't realize this until I was looking some stuff up today. He led all Power 5 players with 16 tackles behind the line last year. That's pretty good. Um, Jordan Williams, this is kind of where it, it becomes somewhat amusing. He's a transfer from Clemson started three games in three years at Clemson, comes to Blacksburg and, you know, is immediately penciled in as a starter. He may be really good. You know, he may have, you know, he may have been the fifth best guy at Clemson, but he may be really, really good in the ACC. And there's lots of guys who, when they get the chance to show what they can do, um, show that they can do a lot more than a coach saw in practice. Um, I talked to him on media day. He's really well-spoken. He's, um, he's very excited about the chance to come in and play, to be counted on, to be a big part of their defense. Um, you know, and, 
you know, they have an interesting scenario, um, as do several ACC teams, in that they start with North Carolina and Sam Howell, who's on everybody's short list of Heisman Trophy contenders to start the season. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest question mark for them is that quarterback, because if Burmeister is um, as eager to get that extra yard and all that stuff and gets hurt, their likely backup is this transfer from Texas A&M, and he's played in 18 games in his career. He's run 10 times for 48 yards and completed one pass for eight yards. So if something happens to Burmeister, like it happened last year to Hendon Hooker, who transferred to Tennessee, um, you know, they're suddenly um, far greener at quarterback, which, you know, in Justin Fuente's offense is clearly the most important position on the field. All right, very good, Hank. Uh, second, let's go to Charlottesville. What is the outlook for Virginia? What are, you, what are your thoughts on the, on the Cavaliers? I think one of the things that's positive for Virginia is the number of super seniors, the kids that had a chance to come back and chose to, um, because they didn't like the way last year ended. And for a lot of them, it was the way the tech game, the tech game went. Um, <clears throat> you know, they didn't like, um, you know, winning the ACC two years ago or winning the Coastal two years ago um, and, you know, getting blown up by Clemson in the ACC championship game was not probably as big a deal as it would have been for many. You know, they ended the streak with tech and all that stuff. Um they, they have a lot of parts. Um, some of them have a lot to prove. You know, I think Brennan Armstrong, uh, much like Burmeister, is a guy that needs to stay healthy. He got better last year. He's a strong kid. He will run over a linebacker rather than slide pretty often. Um, the difference for Virginia is that if something happens to him, they have Keaton Thompson, who came from Mississippi State, who's a a dual-threat guy, um, more so than Brennan Armstrong, although Armstrong's an effective dual-threat guy. Um, He'll play wide receiver some. He does some wildcat stuff. He was very effective last year when he came in, even though the other team knew if he got the ball, you know, when he took the snap, he was probably going to run. I don't don't remember how many passes he threw, but it wasn't many. And, you know, they have – they lost a bunch of receivers. Um, Lavelle Davis, their six foot seven guy, who caught a bunch of touchdown passes and was kind of a revelation as a freshman, is going to be out until probably November, um, I think, with an ACL. So that's a big loss. Um, but Billy Kemp was one of the leading receivers in the ACC last year. He's a possession kind of guy. Um, and, you know, they, they have other guys that. Um, can catch the ball, and they brought in another transfer tight end. Last year they brought in Tony Poljan. Um, This year they brought in, (coughs) excuse me, oh, my goodness, Um, a guy from Oklahoma State. Um, Can't read my notes. Jelani Woods. And he's apparently a really good blocker, which will help their running game, which is kind of lacking um, a proven game breaker. Wayne Taliapapa is very solid. He's got a real good nose for the end zone. Um, Ronnie Walker is there as a transfer. And a kid named Mike Hollins, who sat out last year because of COVID, 
is a guy that showed flashes as a freshman that he can be a really effective and maybe a game-breaking running back. Um, defensively, they lost a couple of guys, Zane Zandier and um, Charles Snowden, but they lost Charles Snowden halfway through the season, and he's a guy who people looked at, you know, NFL scouts were kind of drooling about because he's long, long, six foot seven, athletic, all this stuff, could do so many things. Um, and their defense wasn't great last year. Um, but, you know, Broncos, a defensive coach, they have a lot of experience in the secondary. They have experience on the line. Um, and they get Joey Blunt back, who missed almost all of last year in the secondary. And um, they have several other guys back there that have played quite a bit. So, you know, there's nothing like experience to make you better. And even though their passing defense was pretty scorched last year with three or four guys back in the secondary that have played a lot of college football, it should be better. All right. Um, let's look around the rest of the ACC, Hank, um, when we talk ACC football. A much different setup this year. Uh, Notre Dame's, uh, you know, not a, not playing uh, as a full member. Uh, we went back to our divisions. Who's, who plays for the ACC title this year? Well, the shock is that it's going to be Clemson, what a shock, and North Carolina. You know, Mac, Mac Brown's got a good thing going there. He's bringing in some really skilled players. Um, and, of course, he's got Sam Howell, who, you know, may prove to be one of the top three quarterbacks in the country, if not the best. Um, you know, he's been lighting up the league for two years. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's the chalk. But one of the beautiful things about college football is that um, you can never count on that stuff. You know, somebody could get hurt. That's a, that's a you know, a, a key player in the figuring of who's going to be the best team. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Somebody could prove to be a way better player than you thought, a quarterback or a running back or something. Um, you know, look at North Carolina. They had those two running backs last year that just went crazy. Um, you know, so North Carolina and, and Clemson seem to be the logical choices. But, um, you know, and it's hard to bet against Clemson considering what they've done, you know, in the past several years. But, um, you know, North Carolina is a, an obvious choice, but um, that doesn't mean they're going to do it. And, you know, Tech could be good. Miami can be good. They have uh, King at quarterback, and he's real good. If Burmeister stays healthy, um, you know, and all the offensive weapons they have stay healthy, they can be dynamic. Um, you know, there's there, there's lots of options, um, but just um, it's kind of like a draft. You know, you look at Tony Mandarich, and he seems like he's an obvious choice to be a first-round draft pick, right? How'd that work out? Ryan Leaf, how'd that work out? Yep. You know, you can study, study, study. But there's something, you know, Doug Flutie was a low-round draft choice and played 20 years of professional football. You know, so you can look and look and look and analyze and analyze and analyze, but there's elements of a player's final product that don't factor into any of that. And that's what makes it so fun and exciting to see how it turns out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go 
you know, national picture here. Uh, hey, give us your four college football playoff teams as of today. Uh, who do you think wins the national title? And, you know, will the ACC be in this picture? I hate when you guys ask me this question because I always have the same freaking answer. Um, or try to, I try not to. Um, it's, you know, by all accounts, and again, this is all kind of unscientific, really. You know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, um, Oklahoma, you know, these blue blood programs that just keep bringing in, you know, the best of the best. Um, if you look at Heisman Trophy list, um, you know, they all have a guy on there. Um, you know, Sam Howell's on those lists. Um, Spencer Spencer Rattler at, at Oklahoma, you know, whoever thought when we were growing up that Oklahoma would be winning Heisman trophies with quarterbacks, you know, I never would have thought that, um, but that's what they've been doing. And, you know, so those are the obvious, but I, like, again, I always love to try to throw somebody else in the mix. I mean, you know, the chalk is Georgia. Notre Dame, another another team that's always um, overly ranked, in my opinion. Um, you know, there's Wisconsin, which always seems to stumble somewhere along the line. Um, there's, I don't know, there's lots of, there's lots of programs that could be in there. Penn State, you know, James Franklin might hit lightning in a bottle. Although I saw today that he picked a quarterback who's a transfer from Kentucky. Now, think about this in the college landscape. A kid goes to Kentucky to play quarterback, transfers to Penn State. Would that have ever happened five years ago? Uh, you know, I don't think it no. You know, Penn State wouldn't even take the guy's phone call five years ago. But that's just where we are. You know, kids leave. Kids go other places. Um, sometimes under the radar. Sometimes a defensive end, defensive lineman can go somewhere. What if Jordan Williams is a stud at Virginia Tech? You know, what if he what if he locks down the the, the running game for for the defense? And you know, it just turns out he should have played more at Clemson. You know, all these guys, the the tight end the, the tight end at Virginia, who you know people have just raved about. He's a six foot seven guy who blocks really well, apparently, and catches the ball and has some speed. So, you know, it's – and I'm not saying Tech of Virginia is going to be in the national championship picture, but, you know, just as, as examples. Um, who would have thought that Liberty and Coastal Carolina would become major players in the fall last year? You know? And, you know, Liberty – here's another team with – you know, Malik Willis, a quarterback who did remarkable things last year. Um, you know, if, if Hugh Freeze has guys around him that can can um, complement what he can do, you know, Liberty could be a fact. You know, not a, a national championship factor, but just a, you know, a, you know it, Liberty could prove that they weren't ranked last year just because there was a, a smaller pool to choose from. You know, it's that's the beauty of, of the sport is that, you know, this kid Mike Collins at Virginia, what if he's a 1,200-yard rusher? You know, what if, you know, something like that happens? And um, you never know 
Um, you know, Ohio State's got blue bloods, and all these all these teams, the top ten are the same almost every year on recruiting lists. Florida, you know, and they get you know, all these great kids. But you know, I had a basketball coach tell me once that you know when a kid comes in and he's considered a great get for your program, sometimes he comes in with the attitude that he's a great get from your for your program, and he knows it, and you should know it too. And a lot of those guys get shown the door because you're going to destroy the chemistry of my team. And, you know, so there's, there's so many factors that go into it. George Wells told me years ago, every kid I recruit, his family thinks he's going to the NFL. And we know that's not the case. Yes, that, that is, that is absolutely true. Um, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now as we close out the podcast with a couple more questions, Frank. Definitely, definitely. Frank, I have a college football expansion question for you, buddy. I mean, so we know now that Oklahoma and Texas will be part of the SEC in 2025. And recently there's been some some media reports about about a potential alliance between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 just on a number of issues like scheduling and, and, and that sort of thing. We're just curious what you think of all of the, all of this, you know, what, what could the results be of that sort of alliance? I mean, what, what do you think of the makeup right now of the college football landscape? It's still crazy. Um, it's, it's ever evolving. It's chaos. Um, you know, I think if you combine the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 together, you might have as many good teams as the SEC has. Um, so I don't, you know, it's it, it's interesting, they, Matthew. They talk about, you know, they could cross schedule and do all this stuff, but um, one of the one of the beauties for the ACC, for the Pac-12, for anybody who takes on a blue blood in the SEC and wins, the benefits for that are huge. And if you take yourself out of that mix because you'd rather play Michigan or Ohio State instead of Florida or LSU, um, in a lot of places, that's not going to have the same impact. And, you know, so the SEC, of course, you know, was already the best league in college football and they didn't hurt themselves by taking on those two programs. Um, And, you know, the ACC, the PAC 12 and the big 10 can help themselves a lot in terms of voting and things like that. But there's a lot of people that think they're all going to break away from the NCAA anyway. And, you know, I don't know how close that is to happening. If it's ever going to happen, if it's just speculation, it's obviously speculation, but, um, you know, that's a it, – it's a shrewd thing for the ACC to try to do because, you know, if Virginia Tech could play Ohio State instead of playing Appalachian State, you know, that would obviously help them. That would help Ohio State too. You know, if, if Virginia can play Michigan, if Georgia Tech can play, you know, Alabama, you know, if you can – not Alabama, but um, – you know, another really good Big Ten school or a Pac-12 school um, and, you know, get an impressive win, 
um, or if if the other teams can win, you know that obviously helps them. If if you, if it's a good Virginia Tech team and Southern Cal beats them, that helps them. Um, but you know, it, it, and it's weird the the Big Twelve is just totally left out of this picture. Um, you know, apparently there's very little interest in among those leagues in adding them. Um, because I guess if you have three of the five Power Five conferences aligned together, then what the other two do is probably going to be less than what you can do. So you know, I don't. You know, it's interesting. It's in some ways perverse. It's you know the the state of college football, the state of you know um, big money going after more big money. You know, a lot of this talk is about TV contracts and things like that. And the the amount of money they get is remarkable. I think the Big Ten gives each school $54 million for its TV contract. You know, if you're Northwestern, that's pretty good money. If you're Rutgers, that's pretty good money. You know, and so it's trying to keep up with the Joneses, but I don't know with what the SEC is doing with Texas and Oklahoma, there's any keeping up with those Joneses. All right. Uh, Thanks for that answer. Thanks for that answer, Hank. Are you still there with us, Matthew? All right, we'll just go ahead while Matthew gets back online. I want everyone to know this podcast is sponsored by uh, Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia, 301 South Main Street, uh, 107 Blacksburg, Virginia. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at Main Street Farm. Uh, And I'm back. All right, Matthew. I'm back. Glad to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. I accidentally got disconnected there. Thanks, Jeff. That's Suite 107 there. That we want to make sure that we we say that there for Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. Uh, and we're proud that we're proud to have them as part of our our podcast sponsor this year uh, for the longest running independent ACC podcast in the United States. That's Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia, 301 South Main Street, Suite 107. Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. And uh, the open microphone time here, Hank. Anything you want to talk about, man, the floor is yours. Oh, wow. So I was talking to Matthew before we started about all this stuff in Afghanistan. Um, that's some some sad stuff. But you know, one of the things I'm working on is looking at the FCS. I always confuse them. And coming back to play after playing in the spring. And I talked to um, his name, of course, escapes me. Um, uh, one of the coaches last year, he said that one of the things they're doing this year is they're going to play 10 games instead of 12. They're going to eliminate the FBS team from their schedule and and the big payday. And, you know, just to acknowledge, um, you know, that it's a quick turnaround. And um, it will be interesting to see how that works for a lot of teams because, as you guys well know, 
a player at a Power 5 school gets hurt, and frequently he doesn't get to practice in the spring. He doesn't get to do any of the summer stuff. You know, he shows up to practice again when they start in the fall in, like, July or August. And, you know, a lot of these kids, and and more and more there's kids at that level that can play in the NFL, um, they're not going to have that that luxury of that long turnaround. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the injury situation is for some of the teams that are the blue bloods at that level. and, you know, just how all that goes. It's, um, you know, again, it's a big NCAA money thing and, you know, need to have it. It's, it's you know, and just beyond money, it's huge for college campuses. It's huge for school pride. Um, it's, it's a huge thing for alumni, whether your program is top of the line or decent or whatever. It's huge to bring people together. My son went to a school where they had a founder's lot on game day and you know you paid handsomely for a spot in that lot and most of the people didn't even go to the game they were just there to schmooze with people and smart smart college kids spent a lot of time in that lot too schmoozing with people because those people could hire them when they got out of school and um you know it's going to be a different kind of season and um hopefully not a more dramatically injured one, um, if that's an expression, um, you know, for kids, because um, a short turnaround, you know, we talk all the time about basketball players, you know, playing every other day in the NCAA tournament. um, And then we talk about how they played AAU tournaments and played five games in a day. Well, um, the pressure is a little bit different when you're playing top-level college basketball, and um, that's the same with football. And, you know, like I said, a lot of those kids think they're going to the NFL and think it long after the um, reality is that they're not. And um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see how the FCS season goes and um, they made the right decision, you know, playing in the spring, which was, you know, kind of fun. Um, it was kind of fun that they played in the spring. And, you know, I did a weekly notebook during the spring, and there were lots of teams that made it into the notebook for doing things that never would have been noticed had they been playing in the fall. And, you know, these were teams that, you know, when push came to shove at the end of the season, weren't there in the, in the final mix. But they got their moment in the spotlight. I mean, think about VMI. VMI had not had a winning season since 1981. And they won their first six or seven games. And, you know, they had a quarterback that transferred to Maryland. You know, we're talking about Kentucky to Penn State. How about VMI to Maryland? You know, um, it's, you know, it, it was a it was a really interesting season. It was fun for a lot of programs that, don't usually have a lot of fun. They got a lot more exposure. There was more TV time, you know, all that stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how the FCS season goes um, because of shortened schedules, you know, whether all teams do that or not. Um, if you take away the big payday game, some of these will get a million dollars for, you know, if you're Richmond and go to Virginia Tech, you're probably getting 
six hundred thousand to a million dollars for your sports program, and um, you know that's 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 a nice little payday. That'll play that'll pay several salaries on your staff, and um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Very good, very good, Hank. Jeff, buddy, you're up, man. Next week, next weekend is the last weekend before we start having college football. So one more weekend uh, to get through, and co- the college football season will begin with a with a light schedule. The weekend of uh, the last weekend of August. So that that's my that's my open mic. That's what I got. We got one more week to go before the season begins. Hey, how about Tech opening with North Carolina and Clemson opening with Georgia? You know, obviously you can overcome a loss that early in the season, but um, those are two games that are pretty compelling for the first weekend of the season. Yeah, that's getting right out of the gate with, uh, you know, some big games in the opening weekend. It'd be interesting. Yeah, what, do you guys think with what do you guys think is going to happen with crowds? What What's going to happen with what? I'm sorry, Hank. Attendance. Oh, I think mm-hmm. I, think, I, think, I, I, I personally think Jeff. I'll 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 answer that. You can take a you can take a take a guess at that, Jeff. But I. I absolutely, I, Hank, I actually think it's going to skyrocket because people have been wanting to go to these games for a long time. There's a huge level of enthusiasm. I mean, there may be some that, you know, some might not want to be there because they're worried about or they're worried about, you know, certain parts of the pandemic, you know, people not wearing masks or people that are not vaccinated and that sort of thing. But I, I think overall, you're going to see a huge level of enthusiasm for event, uh, events like this but go ahead jeff what do you, what, what's your take here no i i think especially through the, the first month of the season um it i think it's going to be like that uh, i mean there might be a, a few pockets of locations that that might be hesitant but i think i think by and large um people are going to be back at at stadiums uh you know right now we've we've got no limitations that I'm aware of here for Major League Baseball. Um, no one seems to really be saying anything about the college football season. So I think the first month of the season, um, you know, it's it's going to be pretty pretty wide open, and the stadiums I think will be we will be pretty full now. You know, we'll see how things are at the end of at the end of September, whether you know some locations might start might start pulling back, but I hope they don't have to reach that decision and that we start seeing an improvement. Yeah, I think we all hope that, but we'll see. So it's obviously a hot-button issue and will remain so for a long time, it seems. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, here's, my, here's my open mic, and I just kind of – I kind of talked about these things a little bit today on Twitter, but – there have been two, 2.6 million vaccine doses issued in the last three days nationwide in the United States. It's been kind of the largest increase in dosages for the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, really since it, since it I mean, probably since it almost began. And so I, 
that kind of momentum is pretty good. And if we could have a month, uh, if we could have a month like that, I mean, I know I'm asking a lot, but if we could have a month like that, we'd be in much better shape as we battle the pandemic going forward. Uh, I want to drop a note on what what Hank said earlier. He was Hank was talking about FCS football earlier here on the podcast. I'm gonna I'll, I'll drop a prediction here. South Dakota State's going to defeat Colorado State. There's my there's my we'll, we'll see whether I'm correct here. I'll count on both of you guys to hold me accountable on that pick in the fall. But I see I think that's gonna I think that's gonna happen. South Dakota State was two points away from the FCS national title, and I think that they're I think they're I think they're good enough to go in there on the road and defeat Colorado State. And I think like Jeff was saying earlier, I think you're, you may see some pockets this season where they may have a canceled game or two, but I don't think it's going to be the major, major, the, the major set of cancellations that you saw last year due to the pandemic. I mean, I, I, that's just my personal opinion on that, on that, because the, uh, I mean, I just saw today that 72% of Americans have at least one dose and that's the adults and right. 70% of kids 12 and above have at least one 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 dose and above and if they can i think it potentially hit 80 percent the 80 percent marker by the beginning of the fiscal year the federal government's fiscal year which is october one um you might see you might see it all in 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 pretty good shape but anyway your any your your thoughts on any of that uh hey um i would be happy with that um you know, because I think 80% was the number they talked about where you're getting close to herd immunity or something. Um, yeah. I am just so, so weary of the arguments about, you know, how many vaccines have we all taken because it was mandated before we could go to public school? And, you know, you know, the the idea that some people think that, well, I shouldn't get too political, but the idea that some people think this whole thing's a hoax um, because one person said it was, um, you know, I, 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 yes, I'm so yep. weary <laughs> of all that stuff. We, 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 get, we get it. What do you think about the Jacks? Are they going to be Colorado State? Uh, maybe. I'm maybe they're, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Doing the, the spring football thing last year, it was unbelievable to, to, to read about some of the players that like became like players of the week or players that I focused on that, um, you know, and, and there's some really good FCS websites out there that cover all that. And, you know, I was glad to find them. And, um, you know, like San Diego, I forget their coach's name, but he coached in the NFL for a long time and, they had won 39 consecutive conference games, which tied Duquesne, noted football power Duquesne, for the most consecutive conference victories in FCS history. And in their, in their attempt for a 40th win, they lost at Davidson, another noted FCS power. So, right, right. Um, you know, and... and just to realize that these schools play football too. And, you know, San Diego was nowhere to be found um, in the second round of the playoffs. And some of the other schools were the, the coach I was thinking about who said his team, um, who won Sam Houston last year? 
Yeah. Yeah. So the coach was Casey Keeler, who's won who won a national championship at Delaware as well. And I think he might have won one at Rowan, or he played for a couple at Rowan. Um, unfortunately, he played Mount Union, and I don't think that went too well. But um, he was the guy who said they're going to only, only play 10 games, and they've canceled their payday game. And, you know, so and he's been around a long time. And um, it's real interesting that the approach some of these schools are taking because, you know, a lot of them took a financial bath last year. You know, when you can't get your FBS game in and you can't get that 600 to a million dollars or whatever, and, you know, people are laying off people in their sports information offices and their, and, and whatever, and they took a bath and then they decide to take another bath this year and not play that game. That's, that's wild. Definitely, man. Definitely. The other thing I want to, the other thing I'm looking for just real quickly, I think Quincy Patterson, the second, is going to start for North Dakota State this year, Hank. He might. He might. And, you know, he's a dynamic player. And, you know, when you're a, a power five level recruit and you go to a place like that um, where they know how to handle a power five level recruit, um, you know, that can be dangerous. I I think he may end up being the most exciting college football player in the FCS this year. If he if he picks up on his reads, Hank, you know, for passing, he's going right. to be unstoppable because that offense there, he he will he'll be he will be a locomotive in the rushing attack. The whole North Dakota, South Dakota thing is like the best kept secret in college football. <laughs> right. You know? And, and that's with North Dakota State winning eight of the last 10 national championships. Yeah. Or North Dakota, whichever one it was, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, that's with them winning all the national championships. And it's still like people don't even, some people, you know, it's, it's like years ago. I was in New Mexico where my ex-wife's family lived and we had to take our child who was like a year old to the emergency room. And when we called my company's healthcare plan, because you're supposed to do that within 48 hours, they said, I'm sorry, but children are not covered outside the United States. And it's like, um, excuse me, New Mexico is a state. And you know, there's, there's a lot of people in the country that don't seem to know that something happens in North Dakota or South Dakota besides 50 below temperatures. <laughs> and grizzly bears, maybe. That's right. You went to school right. there, right, Matthew? I went to school in North Dakota. You got it, man. You got it. I sure did. For undergraduate, I went to school there. I am a, I am a native North Dakotan. So what? Who makes the best parka in North America? Man, I, I don't. Man, I, I can't. I, I, I can't even tell you. There's just so many. There's so many. So many good ones. <laughs> North Face. <laughs> North Face. Yeah, I'm just trying to help you get another sponsor, dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Hank. Hey, man, thanks so much for joining the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on, talking about ACC, Virginia Tech, Virginia, 
and National College football. Even we even get a little Virginia Tech men's basketball in there tonight in FCS football. And we would love to have you come on the podcast again sometime, man. Thanks so much for coming on. I uh, I love doing it with you guys, man. I know you didn't expect me to show up with questions too, but uh, they just kind of came up. So anyway. <laughs> cool. <laughs> It's always fun, guys. It's always fun. Jack, I'm glad you made it home safe, and uh, we'll talk soon. I appreciate that. Have a great week, guys. guys. Take care.